Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Ed, we're going to continue our look into Watchmen, our monthly examination of Alan Moore's seminal work. But before we do, I'm going to talk very briefly here about your Red Room trade paperback, yeah, available yeah. wherever books are sold. Get this at your local comic shop, bookstore, or online, collecting the first four issues of Red Room, uh, <laughs> the violent outlaw masterpiece it might be found behind the counter <laughs> that's true maybe in a brown paper it. bag <laughs> <laughs> yes ask for it have your id ready to go um fantastic we've we've done in-depth videos on this examining some of the extra features that are in here very well produced kudos to fanographics for making a very nice book in terms of paper and reproduction and all that good stuff and the behind the scenes things Man, this is what I would buy trade paperbacks. Uh, whenever I was a kid, I'd buy Mike Mignola's Hellboy miniseries, and then I'd have to buy the trade paperbacks for this back matter stuff. So really nice looking book, perfect for the upcoming holiday for the horror fan in your life. Uh, you can find some of my latest work in The Plain Janes, my 500 page shoujo ode to young adult comics. And these are outlaw high school art students that start doing public art in their quiet suburban town and uh, bring the ire of the police, the local law enforcement, parents groups, and some of their fellow students as they uh, try to liven things up a little bit. Uh, one of my first comics started this right after Street Angel and then returned to this whenever I returned to Street Angel. And it too is available wherever you buy books, comics, graphic novels, all that good stuff, perfect for the young adult reader in your life this holiday season. But we are here today, Ed to do Watchmen number 11. We're getting near the end, and uh, our cover starts in Antarctica. The penultimate issue, right? It is, and it makes me think, like, there's so much Antarctica uh, conspiracy theory stuff. It feels like this is the perfect place to put the uh, the mastermind, the, the, the evil villain of Watchmen, give him his headquarters at the South Pole. Yeah, he describes it like, you know, Ozymandias in the story. It's like he needs a neutral position to, to watch the world's events, like, play out. So, of course, why not choose one of the pools? And the North Pole... You associate that with Santa Claus. That's less sexy, man. South, South Pole, far, far more mysterious. What I like about this issue, I like this issue a lot. Uh, what it is, you know, they said it couldn't be done. Uh, but you have an entire issue's worth of the supervillain monologue. The, 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 That's right. The thing That's that exactly you've what it is. heard in comics, or I guess like cheap pulp pop fiction from the beginning. The guy ties the girl up to the train tracks. Now you have to buy some time for the for the hero to release her. So you need the soliloquy from the supervillain. We've seen it a zillion times, but the way Alan Moore handles it is so freaking dope. The first time I read it, it gave me chills at the end. Yeah, it's uh, a nice re moment. Reading it this last time gave me chills because it's it's Alan Moore spitting in the face of all that stuff. He's, he's, he's telling the reader and showing the reader I'm going to do the thing that you've seen a million times. And with one sentence, I fully change it. I fully flip the script on everything you've ever read that you could compare to my supervillain soliloquy. Yeah, it's kind of a brilliant twist on, the, uh, on that classic. And, uh, you know, as you say, start in Antarctica, we see the snow, the white. It's interesting because, like, it's kind of a desolate horrible cover right life is being blotted out literally just erased around it but also it's probably the most colorful the of most the vibrant. watchmen uh covers absolutely the most vibrant for sure and what we're seeing is this dome where he's got like tropical you know a tropical climate in here with butterflies and other life living you know rare birds and things that he's somehow cultivated to uh you know show off his intelligence perfect for a madman a, a brilliant madman villain's lair it's like the phipps conservatory in <laughs> yes. january man 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And a lot of text uh, as he's monologuing some of these plans felt like a weird timing thing as I was reading it because we'll have sequences with very little text in this same issue, but then just loaded in that, like that, especially that first page. And uh, it calls to mind like from hell whenever Gaul is traveling around London and pointing things out and, uh, you know, the Mason's plans for the London layout. Very, uh, that, that's what I was getting echoes of. So almost like this is your trial run for something he would do again in From Hell a couple years later. Somebody who would, it's a good character thing because somebody who would be so kind of narcissistic and egotistical to think that they have the answer to all the world's problems. He's not even talking to a human being, man. He's recording his brilliance right. for posterity and he's talking to Bubastis. <laughs> yes. uh, so this guy, like, he's around the bend, as, as Grandma Piscarl would say. And uh, that's an illustration of it. And we're going to see a lot of it throughout. Like, this is a dude, he's far off, like, he's, he's in his own world. And you could suggest that uh, Nikolai Tesla was in his own world or... Uh, Elon Musk. Any of these guys, <laughs> right. man, uh, are, are in their own world. But you also can't deny their brilliance. Yeah, exactly. And you can't deny Dave Gibbons' brilliance as we see him sitting with his wall of monitors and the reflections on the floor. Just really like that. We've seen the gritty uh, street corners in this in this comic a lot. And whenever you cut to like the polished, uh, you know, headquarters of this supervillain, uh, it's a very different tone and texture. Will when we see the uh, yeah like the next you flip the page or whatever. Uh, and as always, got to call out the, uh, the snow, the, the owl snow owl. figure. <laughs> just, just love it. But you know what? If you like, this is the most brilliant uh, blues, the the most brilliant, cool colors we've seen in this entire book. Yes. You know, they, it's like they, if storytelling is color uh, or color as storytelling, they saved these these blues up because they knew they were going to be doing some work in Antarctica or something. Because you, like, th when the city palette is that subdued mid-range color uh you don't get you don't get the primaries man we're gonna see some cool stuff with color just in this issue too because we're gonna go from these cools into into his like tropical lair yeah that then gets wiped back out it's almost like the ultimate contrast of like this is life and we're snuffing it out right. back to those cool dead you know antarctic color palette uh pretty strong stuff good precursor image right there because like as i was uh reading this I, I started getting insecure and was like, oh man, that painting is something, but I, I don't know what that is that I'm looking at right there. We get into it. It's about Alexander the Great and everything. Now, the recording stuff that he's doing, when you see this panel and you see that uh, that, that tape cassette mm -hmm. is like the nuclear fallout trefoil thing. Probably just an accident, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but but it, it's like the whole recording piece was just so that we could get to this point to show that off. Yeah. Yeah, and it's perpendicular, like the order of this whole where he's sitting, everything's straight and, and uh, perpendicular to each other. It's so ordered, like the doors, you know, to get that head on of the nuclear sign on the recording device. It's it's good stuff, man. It's uh, it's our biggest shot of Ozymandias as character, you know, like like this piece. We saw him earlier in the series, but it wasn't really him in his glory. Yeah. Like this is it. This is full on him. A part of it is like... Dostoevsky, Crime and Punishment, the whole idea with Raskolnikov is like, when is it okay to, to kill somebody for the greater good? You know, that's that's built into this. That makes sense, right? Sure. That, that feels like uh, perfect fodder for Alan Moore thinking about this. Get so many back shots in this issue. Like, 
I'm going to take a look at the title. You can say what you got to say. But like, I just wonder if that uh, look on my works, ye mighty, is the, is the title of this. But you're going to see like so many back shots and there will be pages when he's, Ozymandias is getting deeper into his own origins where you'll see these like back silhouettes. So that's so interesting. I didn't notice that at all. And now that you're saying it, even even where he's not totally turned, he's turned from the reader. Yeah. Like in this panel. Um, weird. I don't know what that's saying. That's 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 really uh hmm. I wish I had noticed that earlier in the week so I could have pondered it coming into this. You're gonna see a real cool uh Ozymandias one because it'll be like backshot, 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 backshot. So it's like this like cross and, and the backs are um, in silhouette. And we are seeing, you know, contrast with that New York newsstand corner, uh, you know, that corner newsstand that we've spent so much time at, and the comic book, the Black Freighter comic book yeah. that's been being read. We're going to kind of reach, you know, a lot of conclusions in this issue. Yeah, this is where we're the sort of payoff. If you've been reading the the comic, I know that a lot of people they see this shape of caption box and they're like, I don't got, I don't need to read that that thing. I felt that way my first, like the first time I read this, you know, that that stuff didn't. I was like, what is this? Yeah, it was the, so hard for me to go back and forth. Yeah, the first ten times, you know, like <laughs> right, like uh, first million times reading. This. A good example of that lush color that I'm talking about. That we're going to uh, we're going to snuff it out in this plan, right? We're going to kill millions of souls. Let's uh, let's see it on a local level. This is that uh, that nine perfect stranger show. That's Nicole Kidman and all of her like little minions that are on board. <laughs> they're they're so confused. A, they're drinking a Kool Aid. What are we celebrating? He's like, well, a life like mine. We could celebrate almost anything. <laughs> Here's that page. Silhouette, 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 silhouette. As he's as he's growing, you know, you got you have your Bruce Wayne origin. So what's the rich boy going to do? He's getting rid of all of his stuff. He's going Buddhist. Uh, but you know it's an interesting page composition yeah it's definitely noteworthy and again I'm, I'm I feel bad I missed that on my own reading because the, it's such an unusual choice like clearly it's a deliberate choice yeah yeah and it just it's all about observation or something just paying attention to the surroundings when, when we're following his point of view when it's him like it's his story but when we see these back shots and stuff of the city it's just like it's it's characters that we've built for 10 issues, we're going to get them all in the same place mm -hmm. right now. And they're also going to be observing one another and interacting with one another. Uh, the interlocutor, the, the, the Owatu, the watcher <laughs> is the news agent. And, uh, and man, he, he reminds me of uh, some dudes in my family. <laughs> the watcher is a good one to, uh, to call comparison to, you know, I wonder if by seeing the backs of him, if it's a way for us to identify with what he's doing. Right. Because as I read this, like, you know, obviously he's cast as the villain in this series, but I think you can look at this and pretty clearly go, yeah, he's he's creating world peace in a comic that is really built about World War Three being right on the brink of World War Three. Like, as bad as we want to make him out to be, uh, this is kind of what politicians do, right? Yeah. Uh, at least we hope this is what they're doing, you know, trying to, to, to maybe uh, the greater good, you know, keep the greater good in mind as they make their deals. And if his plan works, like that's what he's what he's aiming for here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's like I said, that's that's the sort of theme in uh, in, in crime and punishment. And there will be people who it's a it's a it's a it's one of those ponderous philosophical thought exercises that uh, a lot of people think that they have an answer to. And it's like, well, yeah, well, philosophers and, and very, very smart people have talked about these issues over and over and over again to zero conclusions. So I don't, you know, I don't know where you exist on that, on that spectrum. 
it calls to mind uh I, I heard some podcast and it was about athletes and how like these really high level athletes they sort of have to perceive reality a little differently you know that that cornerback who's lost a step he, can't, he he he's unable to even acknowledge it and that's what allowed him to thrive you know in his prime is that he could get beat on a play and just put it out of his out of his mind and i think they have more white matter or something in their brain um there's a similar thing here you yeah. know where you're casting yourself as a hero even though you're in the process of killing millions of people and uh pretty subtle the way his his minions here all die you know it's not it's not spelled out it's just if, as you watch them there's less and less mo movement we're going to see this guy over and over again in this kind of frozen position uh, you know, butterfly landing on his face. Um, you know, it's kind of this. It's never spelled out, but clearly he's he's poisoned them, and and they're dead there. And and, and it's another great character moment because he's still so in love with himself and uh, believes in himself so wholeheartedly that he's now, you know, he talked to living beings for what maybe five minutes uh, when he's giving his soliloquy, and and now he's uh, literally just listening to his own voice. Yeah, and tying up the loose ends. And, There'll be no living witnesses to what he's got planned. And uh, things eventually get pretty spelled out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. by this point, it's pretty clear this guy's not coming out of it. Go back one real quick, because there's like a real fun, subtle uh, thing as he opens up his little aviary or whatever it is. Man, you just see that little crack open right there, and you see the the wind and the snow just slowly starting to... Calls to mind the, uh, the igloo. Here in, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that still open? I, I don't think it it's open in my life. exist anymore, right? Didn't they tear it down when they built the new? I'm so bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't think all those all those gigantic stadiums that were supposed to have open roofs. I think they never really worked. It was just too too big of a too big of an ask that you would transformer. Open this, right. But uh, you know, destroying destroying any sign of this brilliance, and I felt kind of bad with all like the exotic life that he had in there. Man, that's a lot of shit that's just dying real quick. I mean, you feel it. Like, and once again, storytelling in color, you know, shouts to John Higgins for, for really adding some flourish to, to just sell us on the desiccation. Yeah, it does not take long for those flowers to wilt under the, uh, under the weight of the snow and the cold. And again, cross-cutting back to our Black Freighter comic and uh, New York City here. And more of those back shots, Ed. Yeah. That's so interesting. Even our, our Black Freighter character is swimming... You know, our hero is swimming out to meet the Black Freighter, so we see him from behind. Uh, even when he's not in the panel, just his hands, it's still a behind shot as, as he's moving towards this freighter. Yeah. Uh, funny bit of the comic, of course, is that he expected the Black Freighter to be waiting for him to have gotten back to his town first. Uh, the result is that he kills various innocent people in his, in his old town. Um, misguided, we'll say this character, was misguided in his attempts to uh, wreak vengeance on the Black Freighter. Might as well be the Black Freighter, man. It, it calls, it calls uh, to mind that, that uh, comedian joke that Rorschach says earlier about Pagliacci the Clown. I am Pagliacci the Clown. <laughs> uh, he is the Black Freighter. Ozymandias kills lots of people. And um, our psychologist from, or psychiatrist, can't remember which, from Rorschach, his wife and he separated, and uh, this is her looking to, to maybe reconcile, to meet up with him. Yeah, and everybody uses the newsstand, and the newsstand guy knows all. Back to our uh, cool purples and blues in the frozen frozen Antarctica is, uh, is our hero's approach, two riders' approach. That snow owl looks good even from the back. Yes. Man, more of those back shots, and, uh, and he's sneaking in. You know, the other piece with the back shot, I wonder if it's related to time. As we get to the end of this issue and kind of like uh, get our Alan Moore twist, um, if there's something, you know, if there's an inevitability of, of the of 
seeing them from behind. Like, this has already happened. They've already passed us. The title, Look on My Works. So it is this, like, observational thing. Like, we're looking on them or something. And I always almost like uh, Night Owl and Rorschach. They're back and forth, you know, talking about being nervous, talking about their plans to, uh, we got to subdue him first, and then we can ask him questions uh, when they get there. Murtaugh and, and uh, Riggs, man. Let's, let's proceed quietly from here. <laughs> Rorschach's had enough. <laughs> Man, imagine you're asked to draw this kind of thing where he's seeing reflections of Rorschach showing up. The entire structure of this like fight sequence is like show show me those Alan Moore script pages because this I can imagine if an entire panel description of like panel one is two and a half pages, sequencing something like this has to be very verbose. I wonder how intuitive this kind of action thing is where we have our characters leaning towards our right and whenever the punch happens, the counter punch, now we have them going back to the left. It's it's so good for like depicting action and keeping this stuff interesting and having your directions all work with you. Yeah. Who's figuring this out? You know, like do you think that's intuitive on Dave Gibbons' part? Alan Moore's a drawer, you know, like he like he he knows the score. The best of comic book writers have some facility for drawing, so they, they know what's too much of an ask or something if they can put it in in the thumbnails you know it's like your general like 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 i will never ask you to do something he wouldn't do himself kind of thing so if he can fit it fit it in there like you have you have you know room to move but it's like establish the fork as the hands come in you know you might not exactly see what's happening but there's a move being pulled right there you see the fork jabbing down on that coat while he punches him in the, in the jibs Man, and it's hands the whole way, you know, even before the, that center panel establishing it, like we've got the hand and fork, the hands and Rorschach's hands in the foreground. Heck of a storyteller, man. Really is. And those directions continue, you know, Ozymandias leaning towards our left, hitting Night Owl leaning towards our right, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very basic. And then you get your establishing shot of like, it's, it's so clear where every, the space and where everyone is. It's choreography. It's choreography to very specific ends. And you got one dad bod superhero guy <laughs> you have one unhinged maniac and they have these designs on stopping the world's smartest guy uh who basically has never retired never never lost a step never gotten out of shape you know you know r r there is a term rich and thin like he he's ozzy Medias could uh afford a personal trainer you know what i'm saying man he, he stayed in shape and freaking subdue these dudes in two seconds like because there's no dialogue in this you could imagine all of that is like some john woo two second hong kong movie shot you know and uh let's give rorschach another uh, a little more credit right he's not done yet <laughs> uh and this is more of the monologuing this is really tracing how this plan came together some fun stuff with uh the comedian and um we're answering all the questions basically like like why did comedian have to die like he showed up to, to this island where i'm amassing these scientists and thinkers and artists and stuff <laughs> twisting the mask yeah. threatening rorschach's identity that's uh that's lucha libre wrestling moves right there man right start start pulling the masks off this is classic stuff yeah, and you see Moloch, how Moloch is involved. You see how uh, Doctor Manhattan needs to be dispatched. Like, like uh, he took his took his mind out of the game with the cancer stuff. Took took him out of the game physically, 
sending him to Mars with the cuckold gimmicks. Uh, what else? I mean, there's 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 a lot. Like we're answering so many questions here, and we're tying up a lot of loose ends with these peripheral characters, all uh, to very specific ends. The end of the world, that is. The the one part about you know, the, like the whole thing with the alien. And I guess we'll probably talk about it more in the next issue or whatever. But the whole idea is that we're going to fake this this alien invasion and it's going to bring the world together and all this. So, like, that could happen for, like, one second, right? Until, until like, somebody goes up to the alien with some apparatus and it's like, this is like paper mache. Yeah, that was kind of my thinking on it, too. Um, I think it's just that thing. You just got to suspend that that piece. Right. And, and they do say something about like a, like human clone something in the brain matter, you know. So I think he tries to throw in enough to be like, that part works. We're going to fool that part. Put in some uh, some of the stuff they like, like in Cronenberg like scanners. Like you got to fill the, 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 the water. Special effects. Up. Like uh, we went to the butcher shop and got that bucket <laughs> on the floor for uh, for some of these effects for the alien. Yeah. <laughs> There's a really good line, and I don't know if we missed it, but it's about how the comedian, you know, what all great comedians do, and, and, it, and it changes the way Ozymandias sees the world, uh, you know, the comedian's joke. And I, I was hoping to find that, but uh, I think we may have passed it already. But it's, a, it's kind of a cool line, and it puts that character, the comedian, in a, uh, in a broader context as to, you know, what, how do comedians function in society and their critique of society. Kind of fun. Little connection made between our newsstand dealer and our uh, our comic book reader. Shouts to Warren Bernard. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and you see the fighting going on in the background. This is another one of those like the great depth kind of scenes. I swear you can find like Orson Welles shots that are exactly this, yeah. where you know your foreground action is literally framing some kind of piece in the background like that. And everybody converging as to uh, how do they respond to seeing violence happening. Totally, and he even. Uh you know, Bernard, the news vendor guy, was talking to, to the psychiatrist's wife and is like, well, maybe your husband is talking to that black guy that sells watches down the, down the way. We get a glimpse of that dude. Yes. You know, pages later. Yeah. Uh, the policeman. From page one. Yes. Gotta get them all in there, man. I See, like, so much of that stuff that we've read in the comic, it felt like uh like like sort of what is this you know I, I want more superhero action like this is why like if you're gonna kill half of new york establish a couple freaking people yeah and especially the uh the non-superhero people the, the non-superhero non people yeah exactly like the the citizens of new york the people who are going to be dying in this alien explosion that's happening at like madison square garden right there you know like the news vendors on the corner there this is so great too. Like the comedian is just beside himself whenever he realizes what's going on here, and uh, it's described as imagine the perfect fighting man discovering a plot to put an end to war, an end to fighting. It's a great characterization for this for for a comedian and you know being a military guy. The the movie that's playing in the matinee the day the earth stood stood still. You know when when uh, when when COVID first ha happened and there was. Nobody talks about it anymore, man. And it's like we all just put it out of our mind. But for for like one month before everybody, like the worst of everybody came out last year, we all collectively, the world shut down and we were all in fear trying to figure out what the fuck is happening in 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 this world. We were all the same. And it made me think of Watchmen. Like, like you don't have to like come up with some kludgy alien thing. It's like introduce a weird pandemic or something 
that is completely new and just freaks everybody out because like we sort of lived it and we were all in solidarity for like 25 30 days it was the second that people started getting let out the house again in a small way that everybody started wiling out And this is the Fortress of Solitude, man. This is KLL. This is Superman. And and there's that Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons annual that that they did. And KLL is even like wearing that kind of headpiece. So we just passed like the trophy room and all that sh all that shit. Yeah, it's a good callback for sure. Any longtime comic reader, I feel like you know it's inevitable that you make that connection on some level. Yeah. Which is part of what makes Watchmen so good and timeless is being able to have you know reference to those the history of superheroes sprinkled throughout, um, and uh, so we get to finally Dan Dryberg coming up with like, well, when were you planning to do this? I'm glad we're here. We could stop you before things get out of hand too much. When was this hopeless black fantasy supposed to happen? And uh, your big twist, Dad. Yeah, uh, and and he and. Alan Moore calls it out specifically. I'm not a Republic serial villain. The bad guys, the mad scientist, and and Dick Tracy, Crimson Ghost, all that stuff. You seriously think I'd explain my masterstroke if there remained the slightest chance of you affecting its outcome? I did it 35 minutes ago as the doomsday clock is almost at freaking midnight, man. How good is the expression on Night Owl's face? The silence of that revelation. panel? This is... This is the longest, like you could just imagine them for 10 minutes. Oh, fuck. It's amazing. It's the greatest, like, because we had just this voluminous monologue for, for 26 pages. And then these guys are just like, fuck. It really takes advantage of that nine panel grid. You know, like, let's open it up. Let's make this just forever. And it's Eisnerian, you know, you got the clock in there. Uh, the it, perfect cut, right? New York, and let's go back and see New York. Yes, sir. Man, words and pictures working working together here, Ed. All the way, dude. We're gonna turn people into freaking Rorschach blots. We're gonna we're gonna thematically mirror and bookend this issue with that same shape, which is akin to the blood spot on the smiley face. You know, that's the front cover. And the uh, the third uh, the third Bernie, right? Any. You do everything in threes, right? We've got two Bernies at the uh, at the newsstand and Bernie Kriegstein here on the final page. <laughs> I thought you meant Bernie their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, devastating, man. This is reading this because again, like I read it in trade paperback. You know, the first probably the first time I read this uh, many times since. So reading this like issue by issue and then getting to this page and thinking like, good lord, this is the end of the issue. How bad does it suck if you're reading this in real time and you've got to wait a month and this is your final panel for this issue? What a cliffhanger. Yeah, and just because we will receive the comments, uh, that last issue, it took forever to come out, blah, 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 blah. But then if you listen to Brian Hibbs and any of his talks and stuff, he was a retailer at the time. Like, I don't think he owned a store, but I think he worked in retail, uh, in comic shops. He said that it was like two months late. It wasn't, it, it like skipped a month. He needed an extra month to work on the thing. It wasn't... Dark Knight, which I think the last couple of issues took took a long time to come out or something. It skipped a month, uh, but just people mythologize it uh, as being this like super long delay. Uh, all of that said, still like reading it serially, I feel like 
if because I've done this a lot, you you're excited for a mini series or something. You get it. You read that issue, and then you realize like, just accumulate them. Like hold off, grab them, stack them, read them all together. I like this. Uh, like the final moment too. I feel is this a positive glimpse of humanity. Maybe not something you'd expect from Alan Moore, but our newsstand vendor grabs the kid and kind of shields him. Not that it does any good, but uh, it's a nice instinct. Yeah, paternal instinct. And the kids run into him, man. Like the you know the the, the kid is welcoming that that stuff, and they were cold to one another just a page earlier. Yeah. And once again, man, like living through that COVID stuff, I really do feel like we were all sharing in the same fear for like a very small amount of time before it got politicized and and, and all of that. Yeah, small amount of time. Very small. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like Ozymandias is is achieving world peace for about a day and a half. Yes. But hell of an issue. And uh, you know, kind of a kind of a uh, different different tone, you know, than what we had seen before. And I got a kick out of this one, just seeing like the uh, the different fonts that are available. You know, these are like the Letraset kind of fonts. Uh, it's a different time. It's so funny too because it's like the times where they are they are a changing, and that is some antiquated, yes, crusty ass. <laughs> that's your that's your seventies early eighties uh, video game future font. Exactly. <laughs> I guess it's a nineteen eighty six future. I love font it as though. Well. I love that font. It, I mean, it, it easily communicates. You know what? Now I'm trying to figure out like a future kayfabe shirt that we can use this font in some way. You know what would be fascinating? Uh, because you and I read that as computer mm -hmm. font or something. What if we show a Gen Z person this and like ask them like like what is that to you? Yeah, because it's so all the corners are rounded. Like it's not at all what I would think of as a digital font now. Right. Um, but yeah, but, you're totally. It's shorthand for uh, for digital, for computer, for video game. It would be like like the first LEDs. You know, like the digital watches, digi like di digital wristwatch and stuff would would have that kind of a shape. I would fake, you know, like I would try to fake this because it would be like all one weight, and then you would do like the double line, you know, for parts of it, the part that you're uh, yeah. that you're making heavy. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's wrong because like the the G should be like the C, except with an extra piece, but that thick piece it, it's it sticks out. Anyhow, that's that's <laughs> we're we're parsing, we're mixing. <laughs> I could have done that for another hour, by the way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Good thing you cut me off. It is cartoonist kayfabe. Yes. Should we get out of here? Yeah. Kayfabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell, we'll notify you when new vids are available. What's out there, Jimmy? Join me on Patreon.com/slash JimRug, where you can download a dozen of my out-of-print zines and mini comics. You can see a bunch of my original art, layouts, scripts, and process of how I make comics like Street Angel, Deadly Girl Alive, Plain Jane's, Octobriana, and more. That's all at Patreon.com/slash JimRug. Red the anti-social network trade paperback in stores right now they're going fast man if you see them scoop them up and there is a paper shortage on the world supply chain so we don't know how long uh, it's going to take for those to be reprinted so if you see it scoop it up uh with that in mind also we're done with all the red room trigger warning stuff for the most part like we turned everything in it's good to go but that first issue that was coming out in december it's going to be coming out in february now because it had to get pushed back six weeks for um because of the paper shortages that are out there in the universe turns out that toilet paper is more important than uh reading materials jimmy <laughs> uh anyhow you pre-order these comics order them at your local shop gives you plenty of time to get it put on your pull list and i think it'll be super fly if uh, that trigger warnings issue one has to get reprinted immediately when it comes out two two extra months to promote it man that's goddamn Should right good man. good numbers on there by the time february rolls around what else jimmy 
Join, uh, subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. Give them those marching orders, man. We're going to be on our way. Read more comics. M-O-O-R-E.